0: Hi, everyone. Quick plug before we get started. As many of you probably already know who listen to this podcast, we've launched an app. It's called Vivio. It tracks your sleep, nutrition, exercise, and mindset and gives you individualized recommendations on a daily basis on how to get healthier, to improve your well being, and to perform to your potentials. So if you want to check it out, visit Vivio.com, V I I V I O.com. Thanks so much. Let's dive into this episode. Welcome back. Great to be with you again. Thank you so much for joining me for the show. This week, wanted to talk to you about coming out of this pandemic and staying super healthy and the best way to do that from a research-based scientific evidence medical perspective. So on that note, this week, we got a chance to talk to Dr. Elaine Chin, who has a medical degree and an MBA. She's the founder and medical director of the Executive Health Center, part of the Innovation Health Group. Dr. Lane Chin is a North American trailblazer of personalized medicine, and her goal is to help educate people on how to stay healthier longer. Dr. Chin is the founder of the Executive Health Center, a premier precision medicine practice in Toronto. Most recently, she has developed a virtual healthcare offering, Health in a Box, which includes a patient health record as part of Innovation Health Group. She was the chief wellness officer of TELUS Communications, Her primary focus has been to deliver world-class wellness programs to people in Canada and around the world. Dr. Chin received her medical degree from the University of Toronto and her MBA from Rotman School of Management. She is the author of the book Lifelines, Unlocking the Secret of Your Telomeres for a Longer, Healthier Life, which was on the Globe and Mail's top 10 bestseller list. In January 2018, she joined Good Housekeeping magazine as her health and wellness Consultant and led the development of their wellness lab at Good Housekeeping Institute in New York City. Dr. Chin is a regular health contributor to Cityline and has appeared on pretty much every single major news network in Canada. So, we're really lucky to have her because she brings a great perspective to our health, a medical perspective, but a progressive informed one. So, I'm really excited to have her on the show and to be able to talk to you, talk to her about all of these issues that we want to address coming out of the pandemic, which is really just how do we move forwards from a health perspective? And anyway, no more delays, let's dive into it. Please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Elaine Chen. Dr. Elaine, thanks so much for joining us. Good to see you again, even oh, if it's Dr. virtual. Dr. <laughs> Greg,
1: this is all excellent. So, um, Pals in crime during COVID, we've uh, gotten a lot of people through it, and now we're gonna try and help a couple more thousand people. That sounds like a good thing.
0: Doesn't it? Like, let's start actually thinking about the post pandemic world and uh, getting back to I don't think we're ever going to get back to normal, but at least charting a new future, like, you know, reimagining the future, crafting a deliberately a deliberately better new normal and what you just published this new book called Welcome Back. So I wanted, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, got to get Elaine on the show. Tell me about like coming to the new book and you know, where are you at at this point? How are you doing? Looking forward to the like, you know, where where are we at here?
1: Oh, wow. Um, let's start where we're at. Where we're at is thank God for most Canadians in Canada that are um, reasonable in terms of doing the public health thing and getting two vaccinations so that we can have some degree of normalcy in Canada. So thank God for that. That will allow us the single most important thing and the reason why I named my book, Welcome Back, which is to get people back to what they were doing before, starting with um, getting back to the workplace and the list goes on because you and I know it's not just a physical handicap that we've experienced with the pandemic, but this whole thing with uh, mental drain and strain, they're all micro traumas. And we have to figure out a way to recognize that we've all been traumatized in this world and accept that, recognize it, and then do something about it or else we're going to be scarred by this pandemic even if we did not get COVID-19.
0: Yeah, um, I've been double vaccinated and have had COVID-19 after being vaccinated. So I've got all the antibodies. I am now licking doorknobs as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, that is what it is. And you're right. The future does depend upon people doing the reasonable thing. We will start with, yes, both of us are in favor, get double vaccinated. I've got a lot of Americans that listen to this, a lot of people in Australia and the UK as well. So in all of those countries, this is the path forward. It's not Complicated, and uh, we'll just leave it at that. Otherwise, we can go down that rabbit hole for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. But if we do want to recover from this, and as you said, it's been a whole series of micro traumas, and burnout is rampant, anxiety is cranked up because we're still in a very uncertain future, both in the short term and the long term. What do we begin to do when it comes to protecting and optimizing our mental and physical health? What are some of the things we can start to lean into, to think about, to craft, to move us forwards? And obviously, you've got a lot of the stuff written in your book, which is wicked. So we can just sort of like walk our way through that.
1: Yeah. So I always uh, talk about assessing your toll, right? We just got to admit that we've all been damaged. I mean, before we started to hit the record button, Greg and I both talked about the fact that we've worked really hard and everybody has. Uh, trying to keep it all together and it's exhausting and it has a toll on your body. So the question is, how well have you coped and how have you coped? So in this book, I like to coin it this way. I'd like to say, are you a, do you have a profile of a pandemic survivor? Hmm. This is the fun of it to call us all pandemic survivors, right? If, yeah. if you're alive now and you're listening to this podcast, you are a pandemic survivor.
0: That's cool. Dr. Robin Henley-Defoe calls it, um, you're now a knowledge keeper. Like You've been through this experience. So we all have this this shared knowledge. So, okay, we're post-pandemic survivors. Let's see if we have the
1: characteristics of that. So I just got a couple of dots and points. And the reason I put these in is that the data in the book, this is a science-based book. So the data shows uh, the following, but I'm going to ask it from a personal perspective. Have you experienced, I, I should answer this for you, Greg.
0: Well, Pattern- yeah, I'll be honest and answer it correctly. Okay. How about that? I'll be right. I'll be honest. You know me well okay. enough. You're going to call me if I lie anyway. So it's all, yes. it's all good.
1: The question is, do you have presently or over the last 18 months, patterns of binging on junk food?
0: <laughs> so not patterns. I mean, it's definitely... Happened a little bit. We actually kind of went the uh, kind of the opposite way, to be honest. Like we actually maybe even somewhat pathologically went into healthy food during Good. this time. So I understand what you're saying uh, you the answer the majority. is
1: majority. You were the, the answer minority. is no,
0: but I'm not sure that the direction that we went was actually a healthy thing because we were like a bit overdoing obsessed it. about a little bit overdoing it. So we went the other way.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, does I don't necessarily think that that's a the extreme to which we went may not have been a good thing. So anyway, carry on. Yes, disrupted
1: exercise routine. And this is probably either way, because some people have never exercised and got into walking like crazy. Right. And others had a gym routine. I did. I, I was jokingly telling you I had to buy a bike and I put it together myself. You'd be proud of me. Like with like electric tools and i got my spin bike put together there's no hope in hell you could even if it was open for me to go into a spin class
0: yeah um so we did definitely have a disrupted exercise routine i'll tell you what happened it's like at the beginning of the pandemic we're all at home i started doing workouts at 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 home i was riding my i've got a you know gym set up in the house however like three months in i went to put on some pants and i was like how are my pants tight like i've been working out i was like what is going on here and then i i sort of sat back exercise physiologist brain went into action and i looked at my phone and i was like oh my gosh i'm taking like a thousand steps a day yes. other other than doing my workout i was at my desk doing video calls all day long all day. so where i used to be running around between offices airports, different cities, carrying bags in and out of airplanes and hotels and taxis and all that sort of stuff went to zero. And so my overall physical activity dropped, even though I was doing workouts. And then I was like, that's got to change. So I actually moved my family to the mountains. Yeah, so we need to be active that. for like three or four or five hours a day. So again, Greg goes in the opposite extreme direction, but yes, there was some disruption around all of that. Cool. Yeah.
1: And and you also uh, put up on Instagram an alternative to like weights if you didn't have it, right? There was like stuff in people, you could like fill a bucket of water and lift that. But anyways, that's another thing. But most people, some people, at least transiently, increase their use of recreational drugs. Now, I classify alcohol as a recreational drug. Most people only classify cannabis as a recreational drug. Both of these substances went up in use during the pandemic. I know you and I don't did, uh, get into that.
0: Well, but, um, I've done my record. Uh, there's been a phase of my life where. Well, actually, no, it's not true. I never really was into recreational drugs. I tried a few things, but um, it was never really a big thing for me. I think I definitely probably drank more than I should have when I was in my <laughs> teens and twenties. But
1: that makes I, you a normal male.
0: Yeah, I think, anyway. Despite being an athlete at the time, we had probably a little bit too much fun. So on that note, I don't, I don't think that we really changed that much. Although if I was like, truly, I may have increased the amount of wine that we drank at dinner. Cause we were sitting around uh, actually having dinners t- together as a family for the first time in like three or four years. Cause I was actually at home and not on an airplane. So I'm going to go with, yes, I probably did.
1: Mm. That but, probably um, gained your weight. Yeah. You know that?
0: that you know that, what? And you're right. That probably was it.
1: How many calories per glass of wine, Dr. Wells? I,
0: I know this only cause you have taught me this and it's kind of scary it's probably around depending on the side let's call it five ounces of wine it's probably around i would ballpark it at maybe 200 calories it could be more Yeah, but
1: 150 to 200 is like yeah. a regular whole full glass like eight ounce so that's which,
0: like which is like a a 20 to 30 minute run to burn it off
1: yes Yes. So
0: that's why, anyway. And most
1: people had two glasses of wine at dinner, and then most people figured out, this is ridiculous. Got to yeah. stop this, because this this lockdown is not ending. Yeah. So a lot of people backed off. I think this is universal, feelings of stress, anxiety, and sadness.
0: Yep. Going to go with dis- that one. Yes, on dis- that one.
1: Disturbed sleep with COVID-19 related dreams. Now, you may not have, but I'm going to share one that I said in my book. Did you have a crazy COVID-19 dream? Right. Like- no.
0: But I would say that our sleep has been totally disrupted and not disrupted and changed. Funny enough, early on in the pandemic, my kids, because they were at home, not going to school, were sleeping like 12 to 14 hours a night. They were exhausted, like deeply tired. And it took months for them to come out of that and to not like to wake up at a normal hour. It was really interesting. And then that also coincided with two massive growth spurts like they, and whether it's, I don't know if you like, who knows, did the more sleep enable the growth spurt Mm -hmm. or was it going to happen anyway? I have no idea, but we certainly probably slept a lot more and I haven't had COVID-19 nightmares, but I can totally understand how you, how you could. So anyway, Yeah. yeah.
1: So I, you know, early on in that pandemic, you and I chatted quite a bit and Um, You will recall I had uh, helped the University of Toronto fundraise for the Masking Together Challenge, and we raised money to get PPE, uh, help the residents and and house staff get housing because they couldn't go home while they shouldn't go home because we didn't know what they were carrying and doing research around COVID-19. And there was nights I was dreaming that I was in a hotel going from hotel room to hotel room because all these residents were sick with COVID and I was taking care of them. And I, I was just like a, it was a nightmare, it was yeah. a night terror. And I woke up because they were all huffing and puffing and I couldn't do anything about it. So right. I would not, I would classify that as a bad COVID-19 dream. So there's yes. other people that had wild, crazy dreams, And you might want to talk to this because I had to look it up and I had said to you, I, Graciously looked in your book and looked because there was nothing in the in the real world, but the research was commenting that they people had more REM sleep than they normally would have. Like they usually don't have enough sleep, so they didn't get enough cycles of REM sleep. So yeah. when you could sleep enough, you want to teach me a little bit because I should have interviewed you for this part of the book, but I so thought, now I'm interviewing you for that.
0: Well, no, that's fine. That's the way we always roll. So it's cool. So in general, what happens is that there's five types of sleep, five stages of sleep. You've got REM stage one, two, three, four. So REM stage one and stage two are generally considered to be lighter sleep. REM is when you dream Mm -hmm. deep sleep stage three, four is when the glial lymphatic system works to wash out the brain and all that sort of stuff. So the first half of sleep is generally when we're in deep sleep more than the other Mm -hmm. phases. And as we move through the night, you're in lighter sleep and REM more than the other ones. So That's why you typically don't wake up remembering your dreams at midnight, 1am, 2am. You wake up remembering your dreams at 3am, 4am, 5am, or 6. And so if you're not getting enough sleep, you only get the deep sleep in, not the REM. If you're getting enough sleep, you're no longer commuting. You've got that extra hour. You turn off the alarm. You get that extra sleep, then you are going to get into that REM phase. So I'm not surprised that given that people were sleeping more because they didn't have to commute, that people experience some pretty crazy wild dreams because that's, that's when it happens. It, super 70%. cool.
1: So that's super cool. That's a data point.
0: Okay. And then
1: increase workload from your job or home life. I'm going to give a shout out to women data shows 15 hours more per week on top of their already crazy schedule.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's nuts. That, that, that was probably the hardest thing for us. it yeah, was not, that was not easy. For us to navigate, I'll just leave it at that. That was not easy.
1: There you go. Reduce work, travel, and commuting. Nobody commuted. Yeah. But the, I bad, that. yeah, the bad part was I, I think for all the people that are on the phone, uh, that I'm sorry, on the podcast that is listening to this, many, I would say all of my executives would say it's the first time they've been at home for the longest stint. Their entire family life.
0: I was exactly like that. I actually, if I'm really harsh and critical about about it, I'm. I was probably on the road 150 to, you know, 200 days a year, depending on whatever year you look at. 2016 through 19, that's probably true. Which means like I barely saw Adam, my son. I mean, I did see him, but like I was constantly in and out of the house on planes. And when I was in Toronto, I was returning from work at like six, seven, eight at night. So not great when you've got a little one. So the fact that we were at home for the last two years, and I completely understand that this may not be good for a lot of people who live in an abusive environment or, yes. you know, uh, 400 square foot apartment you're not allowed out of. I'm very lucky. I've got a great house near a park and all that other stuff. It's easy for us to move around. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. But yeah, no, I was amazing for our relationship with our kids who are still young enough to actually want to spend time with us. So that yeah. was another sort of positive for us, but I recognize completely that it wasn't necessarily a good thing for everybody in that front.
1: Yeah, and and separately, even with little kids, I would say adult kids came home, like my adult child. And many of you may remember that during the pandemic, we also had other things overlaying, which the Black Lives Matter uh, situation came up at the same time with an overlay. And our youth had issues around a self-identity and being Chinese he, he's like I didn't realize I'm privileged and there's people who don't have advantage and how do I fix that how do I make that better and you have these deep and conversations you go okay well we're walking for an hour every day because too much zoom uh, including him at school so we walked those are the amazing things that I hope we can take away from because The next one is about sense of social isolation, but because we got isolated with people that we wanted to be with, or even if we, hopefully, nobody got severely abused. But I know, again, the data showed that it did, but for all of us lucky folks who've had our the people that we actually don't spend enough time with and we wanted to, we got the the benefit of the social isolation. And so the next one was just talking about friction with spouse or partner and children at home. So that was one of them, and then financial strains to to change in employment, and that's the reality of not having food and shelter and being feeling like those basic fundamentals are not there. So those are my profiles of a pandemic survivor.
0: So isn't that like isn't that amazing that all of those would affect Every single person listening, we've all had disruptions to our jobs, our financials, our home. Everything has been disrupted. So let's radically accept that, which means, ra- you know, radical is complete and thorough, complete and thorough acceptance of where wherever we are at in our journey through this. Where do we go now? Like from a, yeah. if you're like, okay, so all
1: now right, the rest of clean the slate. What do we yeah. do? <laughs> so we got we got to accept it and not ignore it. So therefore. Yeah. We need to assess the toll. How did it impact you physically and mentally? So in this data also show not because you really didn't want to, but rather you couldn't was I think everybody has missed their annual checkup. Now with their annual lab work, weighing themselves, doing their blood pressures, getting their mammograms done, getting their PSA checked, their... A urologist colleague of mine at Sunnybrook said he has seen an exponential uptake in prostate cancers because people have been delayed in getting their PSA done. And there's such a radical amount of catch up in other disease processes that we've ignored. So we need to ask ourselves, if you've not done your checkup, please get it done. That's a good place to start.
0: I went two days ago uh, Judith and I both went for the first time since 20, well, 19. So it's been like two years for me. Uh, so yeah, like I cannot say that. And then that's as a guy. And we know that men often don't go for their checkups. And so now complete Mm -hmm. transparency. I'm now over 50. So that means I just got my shingles vaccine, something to do, got PSA checked, fortunately normal. Uh, and I'm going for my first colonoscopy because you have to do that now at my age. So uh, I am going to be completely transparent about that. Try to tell as many people as possible. Yes, let's get that annual physical booked and on on the schedule and get back at it because you're right, that has been something that has been put to the side. The other one, uh, which was hard to book is dentistry. Like I was fortunate enough to be, you know, during the last little while in a town where the dentistry was largely open. So we were able right. to go with the kids, but I know a lot of people haven't been. So That's another one to get on the books for sure. Because we do know that, Dental health is correlated to health in a whole bunch of other different areas as well, and this is all low-hanging fruit. Like, just this is easy stuff that's hyper preventative for a whole ton of different things. So, yeah, we definitely got to get back on that one. That's a great, great tactic to implement, like right away for everybody listening.
1: Yeah. So the basic things, even like if most most people gained ten to fifteen pounds during this pandemic, and that could have been enough to push people over with getting high blood pressure and pre-diabetes symptoms. So some family docs are oh, you look healthy, you don't need to do your cholesterol and your blood sugar, which is and your blood sugar control your a1c those things needs to be done. So I think and and moving into winter, you know, vitamin D is really important. So if you want to really know what you need to take, you should measure your vitamin D. I know it's not covered by the public health plan in some provinces, but get it done. So that you now know and then knowing that there are certain things that help with your immunity, you know, moving on into after assessing the toll is now trying to repair your body, right? So in this book, I I, I go at repairing the body in two ways. One is detoxing your body and de stressing and these things, you know, traditionally, you and I coming from a traditional University of Toronto world, what the heck do you mean by detox, right? So we're now learning how to speak the language and ancient detoxification is actually acupuncture in traditional Chinese medicine. So, being ethnically Chinese, but brought up in Canada, I had to learn a little bit about meridians. And so, it's a 3,000 year old practice. And, Greg, do you actually do acupuncture? I've never asked you because uh, my wife is. is-
0: my wife's an acupuncture provider, so but she's not allowed to treat me, so I don't, but she does do that, um, and I have been to a couple amazing acupuncture providers. In fact, when I had my heart infection back in 2012, one of the the strategy that I used because I was allergic to all the anti-inflammatories that I was supposed to take and couldn't uh, was using uh, acupuncture and TCM and that uh, traditional Chinese medicine, and that helped tremendously uh, so much so, I actually was able to do an Ironman 12 months later, even though I was told I would never exercise again. So um, I have done it, uh, not specifically these days, but it's part of our household, and you know, it's part of the practice that we that we do.
1: There you go. So see, this is I'm I'm moving, I'm moving like right and left here, Greg. Yeah. Uh, with you and me, and then people talk about detox diets and cleanses, and I, I in this book I quickly try to talk a little bit about what are what I call radical cleanses and what I mean by clean detox cleanses? I'm sure you probably have a point of view on that, but it doesn't mean we're going to eat water and grapefruit. Like that's not your or my idea of a cleanse. My idea and your idea is to like eat clean and maybe lighten up on the calories. And there's good reasons to do it just to get your body to reset. Like all things aside of what you do you and I know that if you've eaten a lot of carbs or drank a lot of carbs, aka alcohol, your insulin is higher generally. And so that insulin doesn't come down instantly, you have to convince the body that you're not going to eat more carbs or drink more carbs. And that to me is a proper cleanse to cut out those carbs, cut out those bad fats, and just honor yourself. I mean, you've been down that road. Um, and you've talked about publicly, I did call Greg out when he was traveling too much and eating on the road. Right. So,
0: yeah, that was not a good time in my life, but you were helpful in helping me to reset on that one. And I'm, I'm on the same plan. I I don't like it when people say that they are detoxing or cleansing. Like, I don't think that that's probably the correct way to, and it's it, it, but however, if you look at most of the quote unquote cleanses, or let's say just detox, So let's look at what they typically ask you to do. They ask you to drink a ton of water. Mm -hmm. They ask you not to drink for, let's say, 10 days. They ask you not to drink any caffeine. So Mm -hmm. you you detox from caffeine. You eat a lot of vegetables. You eat some healthy fruits for a little bit of energy. You eat super organic if you're going to have any sort of protein. And you get off of all of the simple sugars. So even if you just think about drink lots of water, get off the booze, stop drinking caffeine, get off the simple sugars – that in and of itself for ten days, two weeks, and people then they feel amazing. Their skin clears up. Their inflammation goes down. You know, like they're losing weight because they're clearing fluids out of their system. Like it's all fantastic. And then it the the, the quote unquote cleanse is over or the detox is over, and they go back to doing all of those things again, and they end up right back where they were before. So I don't think it's like a quote unquote a detox. I just think it's like be super crazy healthy with no. Obviously, bad things to take into your system exactly. as someone who's currently in love with espresso in the morning. I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination on this, but I mean, that's to me what a detox and a cleanse is. So, if anyone listening is like, I want to do something of that nature, it doesn't need to be extreme. Yeah. Just spend a couple of weeks and focus on your hydration, R- you know, radically decrease the amount that you're drinking for a little while, cut back on the caffeine, go to mint tea, go to green tea, even. Let's really get away from all of the highly processed white flour and simple sugars. And just by doing those little things in and of themselves, that can really, I think, help with the COVID-15, right? The 15 pounds that we've all gained during mm-hmm. during COVID. But anyway, that's my take on detox, largely guided yeah. by a lot of the stuff you and I have been talking about for years.
1: Right, and you know what the, the vegetable bit? I think one of the things about vegetables that I and you did not learn early in our careers is the entire gut biome needs fiber and the gut biome makes serotonin. I'm gonna oversimplify this, but mental health has been on the rise and people eating vegetables and fruit is almost foreign. The best, I mean, I'm almost willing to give it up to get people to drink their greens, but I have watched people, I'm now very clear on saying, what oh, I eat a salad. So what's a salad and they tell me the bowl and I know it's different from what you and I would eat. And, and so we need to feed our bodies fiber in order to get the gut biome, which is millions of good bugs in our gut that make hormones, one of them, which is your happy hormone. So I'm a huge believer that there's something connected to our diet that we've not addressed that's causing part of these anxiety issues, because we know that serotonin, which is your happy hormone, GABA, which is your calming hormone, these things can be measured, by the way, in urine, and they're low, and they're lower in certain segments. And we need to really look at that.
0: So radically, no, you don't need to radically, I'm, you know, the 1% gains person. But anyway, so let's focus on adding organic veggies, adding organic berries, up your fiber intake, if you want to take a probiotic to reset. That's cool. And just look for, you know, otherwise fermented foods and other things to up level mm-hmm. the got it. Okay. That's cool. Okay. Helpful. So that, yeah. that's
1: the detox. And then you, we could talk 10 hours on de-stress. I think um, we
0: should, because everyone's pretty, pretty worked up right now. Like it's pretty tense out there. So I'd love to spend some time on that. It'd be great. So
1: you, you're always, um, talking like a lot of people talk about meditation. But there's also physical therapy and you being an exercise physiologist, I love the idea of massages. I love massages, the therapeutic touch component to it. There, there is actually solid data to show that massage therapy drops your cortisol, your stress response hormone on a, on a regular basis, taking massages by about 31%. And your, your serotonin increases by 28% and your happy happiness hormone, satisfaction hormone, dopamine increases by 31%. So there's nothing wrong and nothing bad. And a lot of people who work for companies have massage therapy and their benefits and they never use it.
0: I'm a huge fan of the weekly massage. Bi-weekly is cool. Monthly is fine. Let's use those benefits. Get that on the books. There's no question. It's a massive win. You do have to give yourself that permission to take the time to do it. But there's, you know, it's part of the protocol for all of our executives that we work with at least a, at least once a week. Uh, okay. So yeah, that's great. Totally all right, agree. And, then,
1: and then I'm going to talk about something that I wouldn't normally recommend, but a lot of people did it, but then there's a transition period. It's pet therapy. Now, a lot of people got pets during COVID, but they got puppies. So there's a transition period like your babies and having them to wake up two, three times a night whimpering for their mommy and need to get out. But in my book, and I'm learning about it, is that even just 10, 15 minutes of being able to physically play with a pet or even looking at somebody playing with a pet decreases your cortisol. So I now, when I walk in the park, I pretend they're all my dogs because I don't want to pay for a dog walker or spend the time training a dog. So if anybody's got a regular dog, that's nice and normal size, that is two, three years old, fully trained, I will take that dog on. Now I'm going to get a hundred dogs. Luna is
0: perfectly trained two years old and would love to spend some time with you in a park. That would be awesome.
1: Yeah, so booked. I borrowed I borrowed my neighbor who got this little mast, little mastiff. It's now 100 pounds at least. So I was like, oh, my God, that's too big now.
0: It's but- interesting about pet therapy because, you know, we were in a very small apartment for the last couple of uh, probably the last 10 months back in our house now. But it was amazing how having the puppy around puppy. She's two, not a puppy anymore, but was just so it just took the edge off the kids. If Tommy. there was a nightmare, they, she was right there. If it was a moment during the day when the kids are on edge, she was right there. Like, it's amazing how they know when you're not feeling great and they come right over to you. Like she sits on my feet when I'm doing a presentations because she can tell <laughs> that I, like my voice is different, right? So she comes over and she she sits on my feet. She's like, are you all right? Like, let's just chill out here. And as I'm like you know, <laughs> trying to inspire people through wow. a camera, through a webcam. Anyway, yeah, okay, cool, pet therapy. But you,
1: I think you told people something, but there's also ecotherapy, which is what you essentially did. You just extracted yourself. Cause I watched you, you went into the middle of nowhere yeah. and that talks about being in nature and even looking at pictures of nature. So that's what I've done. I've put in fake plants in, there's a big tree uh, imagery uh, in my, in my office in here. Um, so that's really important. Just different things that we normally wouldn't think of that. Maybe if, leaders are listening to us bring your pet in for the day might be a good idea i know it's not traditional but hey covid isn't traditional and add more plants and add more imagery in the office of of the outdoors
0: and your home so we're adding plants uh photos artwork all those sorts of things can make a huge difference. There's actually a really cool thing that NASA put out a little while ago on the types of plants that are best for your home environment because they clean the air the most. And the reason why they're doing that is they're going to put plants on the spaceships that go to Mars. You need to know okay. which plants clean the air the best.
1: So what are they?
0: I don't know. Let me look it up. I'll say I'll look it up while you say the next thing.
1: Okay. So the other one, you just talked about artwork, but creative art therapies because Today, I was just talking to a client, and they're like, what things can we do to return uh, team members back to the workplace? Because both you and I support a lot of organizations and companies. It's really about creative arts. And I suggested that if you're going to do a hybrid model of three days plus two days uh, at home, that you really need to help them figure out how to achieve healthy weight, help them with best rest. And stay beyond being active. So I'm going to get to the last one first. We know that mindfulness uh, and what I call non-cardio activities, because we we as docs like yourselves, were traditionally so focused on aerobic exercise and weight uh, doing weights that I am just as act um, guilty of this is to not speak about the fact that there are what we call non, the movements, what they call NEAT movements, like non-exercise activity, thermogenesis movements. So a place to start is yoga, right? Tai Chi breathing and, and Qigong that really need to be offered at work that maybe everybody should come in. And the first meeting of the day, is to have small groups do stretch class, do yoga, do Qigong, do breathing, and teach people how to do neat activities and movements. Now, you're an exercise physiologist. So Dr. Wells, what do you think of my idea of suggesting that?
0: Um, Love it. First of all, it's the NASA Clean Air Study. If anyone wants to look that up, all the plants are listed. If you just look on Wikipedia, it's there. And big fan of basically not really worrying about what type of exercise that you are doing. Right. I don't do
1: something. just right. do anything,
0: right? Like w- it doesn't matter. It literally does not matter. If you're tapping your foot underneath the desk while you're working. Fantastic. If you want to do some yoga, brilliant. If you want to do Tai Chi, even better. And there's so many ways that like, if you want to go for a walk, run, jog, swim, bike, paddle, lift, like gardening, housework, it all counts. We just don't want to be sitting as I'm doing right now. However, I'm going paddleboarding in about 20 minutes as soon as we get off this call. So I, it, it does not matter what you do. Just do something. And it doesn't even matter how much. We also now know that as little as three minutes of cardio has benefits. We know that as little as 60 seconds of high-intensity exercise has benefits. We know that simply moving your body for 20 seconds increases blood flow to the brain. Like There's so many... Uh, sorry, it changes the blood flow in your brain, doesn't increase blood flow to the brain, It reallocates blood flow in your brain positively. So uh, it's pretty amazing what can happen. And especially if you haven't been doing much, we don't want to make massive changes either, because you'll get sore, you'll get injured. We want to just do little tiny changes that you can consistently do for the rest of your life. So if you can ask yourself, what can I add to my life right now that I'm going to love, or at least enjoy a little bit, that I can do forever. The after dinner walk, the morning stretch, the 10 minutes of yoga on Sunday afternoons, all of it can add up and all of it can make a huge difference. And if, if you can share that with people, that's even better because then you might inspire someone else to do it and build an accountability partner along the way.
1: Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, that's what we're going to talk about. That's the one piece that's in this book. The other piece that I'm not going to touch on a lot on is healthy eating. We've kind of glossed over that content to just basically say to eat healthy. And and most people know what that is. But Actually, I'm also. I
0: think we should define that. Like let's from a high level principles, where are we at on healthy eating? What do you think? Yeah.
1: So I say healthy eating is exactly a bit like that cleanse, but you need lots of water and cut back on all the caffeine, especially the overload of caffeine. Doesn't mean you you can't have a green tea or a white tea or one espresso in the morning. It's just when people get to six or seven or 10, the problem. And the alcohol should be intermittent. One or two glasses a week would be reasonable. I know people are like, oh my God, are these two people crazy? Um, I'm just telling you what ideal is. Um, Everybody will tell you that if they cut out the alcohol, if they've been drinkers, that they lose at least 10, 15, 20 pounds. And I think the challenge here, Greg, for you and me is to teach people that you actually need carbs, but they need to be complex carbs, meaning they're not white carbs. It's not pasta breads and rices, but rather oatmeal and other fibers like quinoa, right? And do you have some favorites? Like I love
0: long grain wild rice, emperor's rice. There's like there's loads of really cool grains that you can get that are super complex. They take a long time to cook, Uh, you know all those sorts of things. Yeah, Yeah, the longer it takes
1: to cook, the better it is. Yeah. Because uh, it takes time to digest and it feeds your gut biome for happy hormones. Yeah. And people often now uh, I'm having a new problem with this is that they're eating less and less protein and they cut out all the red meat, even though they don't need to. And then they get iron and B12 deficient. And and folic acid deficient and those things are very much needed to help uh, with metabolism. I, I also look at good fats and people forget there are such a thing as good fats. Avocados is a good fat. Some of the nut oils are good fats. And people forget fish, what I call the orange color fish, salmon, Arctic char, rainbow trout, all have lots of omega fatty acids, which is a potent anti inflammatory. So I, I think those things are important. I always in my diet to maintain healthy weight is half your plate should be your vegetables and a half, a quarter of it should be the complex carbs and a quarter of it should be a, a lean, healthy protein. Um, cool. That's the easy thing to look at.
0: Yeah, I'll go a little bit further on that one and say we also strongly suggest that if you are having red meat, it needs to be grass fed and organic because grain fed beef is high in omega-6s, so we got to try to avoid that as much as possible. And,
1: and then on best. the fish
0: side, it's got to mm-hmm. be wi- wild, not farmed, because the wild salmon, for example, or sorry, the farmed salmon is pretty disastrous for us and the environment. So just a couple little, like, you know, organic and wild and grass-fed is just like, is I know it's a bit of an investment in terms of cost, uh, but the health differences between those are actually quite significant. So, yeah.
1: yeah. Agreed. And, and then the other area of the three components of recover because we did the repair bit, detox and de-stress, and now we're going to recover. So you're talking about diet, we're talking about activity, best rest. Now, I'm going to make it really simple. Greg and I can go blue in the face. My perfect world is can you just buy a simple alarm clock and leave your phones in your office plugged in? It is not an alarm clock, get a simple alarm clock. So you do not look at your phone and turn that phone and the TV and the iPad off for an hour at least before you go to bed. And don't do exercises one hour before you go to bed. And the reason why I decided to print a whole bunch of books and if we go to events, I'm gonna make people buy a book because you're supposed to read the book if you're going to read something in bed because it doesn't give you the blue light and i'm sure you have way more tips than that because i've watched you talk about this and i sit in the back of the room when you're talking and we i kind of laugh when people <laughs> roll their eyes
0: i don't think people roll their eyes as much anymore i think people struggle so much with sleep that they're into just about anything now when it comes to listening because they're hurting so badly but yeah, of course, defend your last hour, get rid of the devices. You can actually order an alarm clock on your phone so you can even go as far as that.
1: <laughs> there you go.
0: Elaine, I know that um, you're busy and you got lots of stuff going on. So in general, how are you feeling? Like, are you feeling hopeful? Are you feeling like positive about things? Like, how do we sort of wrap this up? And, and if you were to give like, you're sort of, Inspirational advice to everybody for the next six months ish as we navigate the next little while. What are you thinking? How can we move forwards together?
1: So, I am a huge advocate right now that we must say we're vaccinated. We're not going to die of COVID. We need to begin to cautiously live our life again. Not that you don't live it. When you're living it, be cautious. So, I'm saying, yeah, it's going to be a little bit more problem to get on an airplane, but do it. It's a little bit more problem. To get your team together at work, but do it. Use rapid tests when people come in and be re-screening. And because this is going to go from a pandemic to an endemic. You need to change the way you live, but not stop living. We're social animals. We're cousins of the chimpanzees. And if you've ever seen them in the in the zoo, they all pat each other. We need to go back and hang out with people. So that's why the book's called Welcome Back. We're going to work very hard to get our lives back into order Love in a it. different way.
0: Love it. So great and inspiring. I cannot wait to get on an airplane again. Although when I'm on the airplane, I will probably wear an N95 mask, but that's okay. I'm still going to get on the plane. That's right. Maybe that's what even as soon as next week. Yep. <laughs> Where can people find out more about what you're up to and track you down in social and, uh, yes. and get a hold of the new book? What's the best so, online spot to follow you on?
1: So my handle is at Dr. Elaine Chin. They're actually all the same on Twitter, Instagram. Um, and LinkedIn. So that's an easy place. Books available now for sale at Indigo and always at Amazon, the usual culprits. I ask you to buy a book for this month until the end of September in Canada for every book that people buy. I'm donating $3 to UNICEF Canada to buy more vaccines than the government of Canada is matching it. So we want to get some vaccines because no one is safe until all of us are. So just because we are vaccinating Canada. Others who are not around the world can cause increased mutations, and we're back to the starting line again. And I'm not into it, not into it. So let's all help other countries get their vaccines so the whole world is safe.
0: I love it. Dr. Lane, thanks for taking the time to hang out with us today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it too.
0: Hope that was helpful, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. If you want to learn more, check out Dr. Elaine's website at drelainechin.com. You can also look her up at the Executive Health Center and there you can get access to Health in a Box if that is of interest to you. As always, if you enjoyed the show, please let me know on social at Dr. Greg Wells. Give us a review on iTunes. That's super helpful. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Have a great time all through this week and the weekend. Train lots, stay healthy, eat great food, get lots of sleep, spend some time with your friends, and we'll see you next week.